Welcome to the Star Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Beck, the Oracle in New Orleans, founder of Inner Makeup Astrology. To learn more about what I do, visit innermakeup.net. And on this rainy day here in the southern part of the United States, because I'm in New Orleans and Maxine, we have Maxine Taylor today. She's in Georgia. We're, we have a wonderful podcast for you today. Uh, Maxine, as I said, is based in Georgia and Atlanta, and she has over 50 years of experience in spiritual work as an astrologer, energy healer, spiritual coach, teacher, speaker, and published author, so you're very busy. <laughs> uh, and, you know, one of your great gifts, you know, you can really awaken people to their own truth and, as we'll get into later, their own magic. And you, you, you say that that's your mission in life, uh, to uncover and unearth these truths that relate back to perhaps the divinity in each human being and oh, <laughs> said that beautifully <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks uh and you 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 devoted yourself to this work and we're, we're going to get uh more into this but you know let's start at the very beginning so you were born in brooklyn i didn't know that uh so you know you're from up north like me so what was it like living your childhood in brooklyn well, let's forget Brooklyn. Let's get okay. to Atlanta. Because, and I'll tell you why, Dan, when I moved to Atlanta in 1966, my whole life transformed because within one week of moving to Atlanta, I discovered astrology and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like I had two, I left one lifetime behind. Mm, mm. And um, my life started anew. It was just amazing um, because when I was a child, my mother um, would have fortune tellers come over, and I mm. poo- I poo pooed that, and I I really was a skeptic. And so the first week I was in Atlanta, I found myself on a gorgeous beautifully decorated houseboat in the middle of Lake Lanier, um, talking to a lady I'd never met before, who was telling me all about myself based on only astrology. And I did a 180 degree turn. I was, I was hooked. That was the turning point. Um, And so I started looking into it. Mm. And I don't know if they still have these little booklets at the checkout counter, but uh, back then uh, in uh, 1966, they had these little booklets that said, this is your horoscope for the year. Mm. And at the time I had moved from uh, my parents, my family lived in Miami and I had been teaching high school. Mm. And when I came to Atlanta, I didn't have a job. um, And uh, I didn't I wasn't earning a living basically and so I I lived off of savings and I bought one of those little dippy books and it (laughs) said on the 18th of the month all of your financial problems will be solved and I thought okay good luck on that well on the 18th of the month I mean God 
God's hand was in this the whole time. On the 18th of the month, I got my retirement check in the mail, snail mail, from Dade County, Florida. And that check was for $800, which in 1966 was like $8,000. And Mm -hmm. I remember that little book saying all my financial problems would be solved. Mm-hmm. That's all I needed. I didn't need to to do a statistical survey. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and I found out that astrology was illegal. Mm. All over the country, it was considered fortune telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it put a real bee in my bonnet because I started uh, studying astrology after that. And I was literally, Dan, driven to get astrology legalized, mm. at least in Atlanta. And that was, uh, that's what drove me. And um, you can ask me any questions that you like on that. But the, that's why I'm saying, forget Brooklyn. Hey, let's talk Atlanta. Well, yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, it's funny. I keep wanting to go back to Brooklyn. The only reason I, and I, I'll go with you because you want to get out of New York and get out of maybe that New York state of mind. But I, I wonder where where, it, you know, to be a skeptic from a young age, which is what you were kind of saying. Um, and then you were introduced to, you say, this lady who just based on astrology, she was telling you about herself. But what what do you think? Um, you know, because people start off differently. Some people aren't skeptical towards astrology from a year, early age. But it, that's actually quite a for lack of a better word, to use mature viewpoint to have some skepticism towards different phenomena. So what what do you attribute your early skepticism towards? I mean, it did. I'm looking at some of your info. It did say you had a very fine early education. Were there elements of your education that had you thinking skeptically, or you, where did that skepticism come from? Um, my father. Oh, okay. Can we move forward now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's okay. So let, let's, um, so, okay. So that you met this, um, you know, lady, I wish you a fortune teller. I mean, it sounds like, you know, we get the, the stereotype of fortune teller is, you know, somebody with a crystal ball, but it sounds like she was quite knowledgeable. I mean, if she was using astrology to tell you about yourself. She was an astrology student and she was much, much older than I was. And everything she said was true. Mm-hmm. That's what did it. That booklet was true. Now, if it hadn't been, I would not be America's first licensed astrologer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was true. Mm-hmm. Now, that's in 18-point, bold, underlined, exclamation point. Okay. <laughs> And so I had to investigate. Sure. Uh, my curiosity had to find out. Mm-hmm. And when I, uh, I, I don't think there are any accidents in the divine plan. And when I came upon that booklet, that little dippy booklet, I mean, it was a three by five book. Um, and there was a, a, an absolute statement. I mean, it wasn't wishy-washy, absolute um, and I don't know how they got it because at the time I really wasn't studying astrology. Um, as I said, I didn't need to do a, a statistical survey. I was being told 
this is true. And so I contacted, no, we didn't have internet, we didn't have cell phones, mm-hmm. we barely had hot and cold running water, you know. <laughs> and so I contacted the American Federation of Astrologers and asked, is there an astrology teacher in my area? Uh, and how do I get my horoscope uh, done? And they gave me the name of a woman who was teaching astrology who became a dear friend of mine. She is no longer living. Um, And I started studying astrology and found out it was not that simple Mm. to learn astrology. Now, I I feel that my talent is simplifying things. So when I do my astrology webinars and teach people, I simplify it. and my uh, TV shows um, on my YouTube channel uh, from the Interfaith, Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasting Network, I simplify it, making it really, really easy for people to understand their birth chart. Um, mm. too, for too long, astrology was shrouded in mysticism and uh, woo-woo, and it is a very logical, practical, accurate tool uh, for daily living in the hands of a qualified practitioner. So Mm -hmm. TMI probably, but that's the whole deal. (laughs) No, this is wonderful. And it brings up for me a flurry of questions for you. Um, And by the way, people, your website is MaxineTaylor.com, right? That's where people can go find uh, your website. Yes, and my YouTube channel is Maxine Taylor Astrologer, and there are all of my free videos, Mm -hmm. uh, my monthly forecasts for each sign, and my Trumpology report, which I do monthly. Okay. (laughs) You you know, it's just funny because I have all of my notes, but then once I get people on the show, there's so it triggers so many questions uh, for me. So I'm actually interested in the um, the forecast, the booklet that you received that it was, you know, your money problems will clear up. And, you know, I, I do think very deeply about what is divination, what is fate, what is free will. My question to you is, even though you got that booklet that said, hey, X is going to happen, do you feel like you still needed, and you said in your own words it was the hand of God, do you still feel that you needed to take a free will step to make that happen? Or do you feel like, hey, it was going to happen anyway, just these were all divinely planned things? Um, I I wasn't analytic. No, I don't. When God speaks, I hear I listen, I obey. There's a feeling, and you cannot analyze it. You cannot. Okay. Uh, you can't say, "Well, is it really? Should I really do this?" Or, that's your ego speaking. That's your mm. left brain speaking, and mm. that'll get you in trouble every time. Mm. I mean, if you're going to do uh, God's work, which I feel astrology is mm. simply. I mean, because. I researched it, uh, uh, it biblically. I spoke to uh, rabbis, ministers, priests. This was later on when I was mm. uh, legalizing it. But 
one thing always sticks in my mind in the, at the very beginning of the Bible. It says, and God placed the stars in the heavens for signs. Mm. And as astrologers, I, can, I can't speak for every astrologer. Uh, I can only speak for myself. I feel honored and humbled to be able to read those signs. The mm. horoscope is a sign. Now, uh, um, <clears throat> later on, um, I realized, I, I mean, it wasn't a struggle for me. Uh, it just made perfect sense that we have free will. The law, um, much, 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 much later on in uh, my astrological journey, the secret came, uh, that uh, movie came out, that video, mm. mm -hmm. and um, it talked about the law of attraction. Well, by that time, <clears throat> I I had studied with a spiritual and metaphysical group, and we didn't call it the law of attraction at the time, but but we knew uh, if you are in a state of love, if you are hand in hand with your concept of God, whatever that is, when you put out the thought of what you want, you move into that magical place mm. and you become the creator of your life. Um, now, you might say, well, don't things happen to you that are unexpected? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's because on some level, I created it. I take full and complete mm. responsibility for being the creator of my life. And I think the problem with our world today is that people are in the victim role and they don't realize that they are responsible for everything that happens, meaning and I'm I'm looking at mentally the planet Saturn. We mm. are responsible, meaning uh, if you take full responsibility, you respond to your ability as a leader. That's Saturn. Respond to your ability as a leader wherever Saturn falls in your chart for that area of your life. And when you do that, lo and behold. Saturn is no longer the planet of fear and restriction that so many astrologers think it is. I'm a very, very positive person because I have created miracles, seemingly miracles in my life because I know the importance of taking full and complete responsibility for everything, including what might be considered a tragedy in mm. my life. I've lived through stuff, and it always turns out the best. Even the most difficult situation, there's a gift in everything. So you can see the glass is half empty or half full, and most astrologers that I've talked to in my long career don't. And I do. Uh, wait, say that. I think this is an important point because I. this is – one of the things we had talked about discussing, whereas, and then, you know, people who are listening, um, you know, especially maybe people who are just getting into astrology, when you start to get into astrology, certain planets are labeled malefic or benefic. Um, and that basically, oftentimes there's an automatic, okay, Saturn's going to be bad, 
or okay, Neptune is going to be, you know, creating illusion or deception. But you just said you you approach that differently. Certain planets or the chart, you know, the way that perhaps you, one looks at it actually does change the outcome. Literally, literally. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, scientists have proved that when you look at something like an atom mm -hmm. or I mean, as something in the science wo scientific world, it changes the structure of it. Well, if that can happen, why not see the positive? Well, I'll tell you what the problem is. We are programmed from childhood by well-meaning uh, parents and uh, family members. Uh, and that programming, by the way, is visible in the birth chart. And that is my specialty. Um not so much from an astrological standpoint, but from a beyond astro uh, you know beyond astrology standpoint of uh, take back your life. I think that's that's uh, I'm saying something very important, perhaps to you and your listeners, uh, because this is to me I see it all the time. I can tell you somebody's programming by looking at their chart. I can also see it by their actions because. Our lives are a movie. Once that movie mm. is uh, completed, it plays over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Same stuff, different mm. day, same characters, different people playing the roles. And that's the problem. We are programmed. And I've written a book called Hidden Messages, um, which is in my um anthology shall we say it's a collection of all the books i've written and uh, if we see our programming and i have a technique for releasing it very very simple um, which i describe in my book move into the magic mm -hmm. uh, you we can change our programming it's easy for me to say it's not easy to do because the same movie has been playing for years depending on how old we are and there comes a point in people's lives for many many people and that's when i hear from them they they say i am so sick of seeing the same pattern these people are awakened they see they see the same pattern in their life repeating over and over again uh, same stuff different day the movie groundhog day with bill murray described it beautifully <laughs> uh, one of my favorite movies and so they contact me they don't know why but they contact me and i say well i can help you see your story and then you have your free will once we go through a session, and in one session, it's about three hours, I can sh help somebody see their whole story, and it blows them out of the frame. Mm. Uh, the problem is, uh, we as humans, because we're living a story, a movie, we're watching a movie, uh, go back into our story, and each time we do, we feel worse and worse, because if we spent any time in a state of love, in a state of joy, in a state outside the story, when we go back to it, it can be very difficult. Um, and that's yeah. where I come in. I can show you how to do it. It's it's just, and that's why I wrote the book. It's so simple. Um, and people who have had therapy for years say 
in three hours' time, I saw more uh, about my programming than I ever did before. Why didn't I do that before? Well, because we're programmed at not to look at our programming. And it's a very brave, courageous person who seeks help, uh, counseling, whether from an astrologer or a therapist, uh, because they are ready to be awakened. And those are the people I work with. Mm. Wow. Uh, you mm. asked a simple question and I <laughs> went on and on. No, that's good. So, uh, wow, it's so much there. Let's go back, though, to would you say that you were, again, was it oof, a faded moment that it was you who was, I guess, to use a you know, more religious word called to change the law so that you could legally do astrology in Georgia. And also, what was it, a couple other things, but just simply, what what was it like at that time, you see, you know, in the late 60s to try to be doing astrology where you were, or even, I guess, across the whole country for that matter? Well, it was hidden. Uh, Astrology, remember the church, Uh, Religion is the biggest cult that we've got. And in order to uh, keep the followers coming to church, uh, they were afraid of astrology. And so it was practiced in whispers from uh, master to student. Um, And living in a place which at that time was considered the middle of the Bible Belt um, in 1966 in Cobb County, Georgia. Um, People would say to me, there is no way you're going to, because I tell them what I was going to do, and they said, you'll never legalize astrology in the middle of the Bible Belt. And um, that triggered the rebel within me, and my response was, Oh, yeah, just watch me. (laughs) And so that's what was going on in a nutshell. And I was driven, driven to do it. Uh, So was I chosen? Uh, I I don't. uh, Yeah. Okay. It was my part of uh, call it whatever you want. My mission is to empower people to empower themselves. And um Astrology was a, 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 an incredible tool for understanding yourself, uh, your relatives, your family, uh, your potential in all areas of life. And when I started um, recognizing that the sun is daddy and the moon is mommy, um, <laughs> I, I really saw the programming Uh, not just sun and moon, but I describe it in detail in my book. Um, And uh, so I I stepped into the psychological arena. At the same time, I stepped into the spiritual realm uh, and wanted to serve. I I, I could not not do astrology. I, I, I had to do astrology. So Dan, I don't know what you'd call that, but I was Mm -hmm. literally propelled. And so I went to 
the Cobb County business office after teaching school every day. And I sat there and the guy in charge of the business office said he was, you know, making my request and pushing it through channels and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. And finally it occurred to me, nothing's going to happen here. If you keep sitting here all by yourself with him. So I went, I went to the Cobb County commission chairman's office. I knocked on his door. Uh, his name was Ernest Barrett. We have a parkway here in Kennesaw, Georgia, called Barrett Parkway, named after him. And I, I said, I would like a hearing with your commissioners. Now, that takes guts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and he said, well, what do you want to talk about? I said, I want to get astrology off the books as fortune telling. He said, we meet Tuesday evening. Will you, can you come? And I'm thinking, wild horses couldn't keep me away. <laughs> <laughs> and so I showed up. I was in my 20s. I was very young, very naive. I was terrified. I, my knees were shaking. And I walked into this room uh, where all the commissions were sitting up on a dais. It looked like a Supreme a court mm -hmm. uh, you know, or a, a court where the judge is up high. Uh, and there they were. And the meeting went on and on. And uh, Ernest Barrett said, there's a young lady here who would like to speak to us about legalizing astrology. And I didn't know what I was going to say, but I just said, okay, give me the right words. Uh, one of the commissioners said, well, you, he, he and his grandpa, I think, used to fish by the moon's phases. Mm. So, and so they brought in the farmer's almanac, and that's where astrology is. Uh, for country people at the, was at, for country people at the time, and I was speaking to country people, and so I went down the line of each commissioner and told them about their sun sign. Mm. And so uh, Mr. Barrett said, "Okay, we've we've heard from this young lady. What do y'all think?" Now I have to tell you that I could have had I had the money purchase a fortune telling license because that's what astrology was considered mm. and and that was true all over the United States uh, according to my research um, a fortune telling license I wasn't a fortune teller I wanted it off the books as fortune telling it wow. cost fifteen hundred dollars a year mm. that why didn't they just say 15 million because <laughs> But not only that, I was not about to insult the women I was now studying with. Mm. And I wasn't going, to, I was here to give astrology dignity. Um, so what they did, it was November. They voted to get it off the books as fortune telling and charge $100 a year. And since it was November, I got a license for $10. Mm. And I, I couldn't believe it. Now, I knew 
I didn't do that. Although when you're young and <laughs> you know what I'm saying and, and, and you're passion, impassioned, um, you, you doors open, they open mm. for you. And so then the guy from the business office showed, stood up. And when it was all over, he said, we did it. And I said, we didn't do anything. <laughs> I did it. No thanks to you. And I, I didn't, I, I knew I didn't. I knew that it was spirit led. Mm -hmm. um, but he used the wrong pronoun with me. So mm -hmm. that's how it started. But then I realized that I, astrology was only legalized in Cobb County. Now, I didn't realize at the time that I wasn't Georgia's first licensed astrologer. I was the United States' first licensed astrologer. It took me decades to recognize that. Wow. And so w what I was doing was teaching astrology in my living room in the evenings to my high school students. Mm, I had wow. I, I had gotten permission slips from their parents, signed by their parents. Their parents took them to my house and picked them up from my house. Um, and one of my students, <clears throat> uh, who I'm still close with today, she and I are real good buddies, I said, I want to have a bill introduced into the Georgia House of Representatives to legalize astrology in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, my father's a legislator. <laughs> Let me ask him. I didn't realize that not only was she my student, but her grandmother, her oh. father's mother had studied astrology years ago. So yeah. the, the poor guy didn't have a prayer. He had to enter <laughs> into the Georgia State House of Representatives. And so all the people, uh, the, the legislators from Fulton County passed it and it passed in the House, the House and then in the Senate. And so that was that was the second step. Then I I spearheaded the movement, uh, not just to legalize astrology, but to protect the uh, public from the unqualified practitioner. Because once we opened the doors, anybody could claim to be an astrologer. And so I met with somebody on the board of aldermen, which is now the Atlanta City Council, um, and wanted to establish an examining board uh, free of charge. We were not paid or anything like that. Long story short, that happened. Um, fast forward, we gave exams, <clears throat> which was a lot of work. We did it and not the, the people who took the test were anonymous. It was really cool. Mm. Fast, fast forward to today, we have the internet. And the reason uh, I, uh, you weren't supposed to practice astrology from your home was because they, they didn't want people coming to your door and disturbing the neighbors. Mm. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that was just an excuse. Well, with the Internet, nobody comes to your door. Anybody now can claim to be an astrologer and practice astrology. And so... There's no need for a business license. Mm -hmm. 
according to that, which is so fascinating to me because of all the work I did. Right. Uh, nobody needs it. Mm-hmm. Now, each state is different, I'm sure. But with with the Internet, I've seen people advertising as astrologers and just, oh, my heart sank. Mm. I looked at their credentials and thought, I'm not so sure about these people. Uh, I can't endorse them. Not that they asked for my endorsement. But um, the ones who know what they're doing succeed. Mm, right. You know, I don't think it's a problem. I really mm-hmm. don't. So long, long story on, on my journey. Um, and then, of course, as time moved by, went by, CNN came to Atlanta, and I was their on-air astrologer. Now, Ted Turner was forward-thinking, but good grief, the man was amazing. So we got credibility on the first cable news network. So Mm. I've I've been busy, you might say. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. You know, this... You know, that's all interesting and incredible. One thing you would say, this is a um, a real mission of yours to legitimize astrology. And I'm interested in, because the 60s, especially as it marched forward towards the end of the decade, it, it did get kind of crazy with drugs and different things. But it was interesting, in my opinion, what preceded that, you had a lot of thinkers like Aldous Huxley or Carl Jung really sincerely looking into different spiritual pathways or, you know, really what could awaken people spiritually, but taking it very seriously, you know, and studying it and really investigating it as, you know, you did and do. How did you feel at the time, you know, there was like the song, the age of Aquarius, but then you were trying to do something very different, which was really to seriously legitimize this as a practice. I loved that song, The Age yeah. of Aquarius. <laughs> okay. I thought the fifth dimension, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, because we were awakening, you know, it was between, we were headed for the Age of Aquarius, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was different. Woodstock, uh, that may be before your time, but sure. that was a turning point. Um, mm-hmm. And people were expressing themselves uh, beautifully, mm-hmm. absolutely beautifully. Yes, there are always, you know, crazies out there. But for the most part, I felt like I was part of a universal team. Mm. I still do. Mm. Uh, and and so what's good for the team is good for the individuals on the team, which is truly mm. Aquarius. And Aquarius rules astrology. Right. So um, it was a great time. And there was a resurgence of uh, the Edgar Cayce uh, mm. uh, ARE, Association for Research and Enlightenment, Spiritual Frontiers Fellowship. This is here in Atlanta. Mm. Uh, it's alive and well. Um, I was one of the founders of the Atlanta Institute of Metaphysics mm. uh, here in Atlanta, which then gave rise to the Foundation of Truth. Both of those uh, organizations are, are no longer 
around. Mm. But it's a very exciting time when uh, universal truth, uh, the true meaning of God, whatever that means, you know, it's true in your heart for whoever. Mm. Um, each person's concept is different. But mm. there was a, a, a lack of judgment. There was uh, harmony, even though there were uh, a lot of uh, strikes and, st I mean, the usual stuff that goes on in government. After that, the women's movement, oh, mm. my goodness, which, you know, got a resurgence the day after Trump was inaugurated with that millions of women marching all over the world. Um, and so uh, people were treating each other as friends, at least in my neck of the woods. Mm. I loved it. Mm. Uh, we were one. Um, and it gave rise once again to some people who claimed to be perhaps more than they were qualified to be. But that mm. that's not my, you know, I, that's not my, my place. I don't, I, I, everybody's got to do their thing. And it, the, um, the, the natural selection of the species mm. uh, takes over if you're good at what you do. And mm. Dan, mm. you know, uh, your, your, your clients reflect where you are at. Mm. Uh, and, and so it's one, I want to, I want to share with you a story that also was uh I want to share with your listeners that was a turning point for me in understanding the power of the law of attraction mm. uh, as seen in the horoscope. Uh, it was in 1973, I think. Um, I, I had broken up with somebody I was just totally in love with. And I was the living dead for a while. I mean, <laughs> you know, when you're young and, and, you know, you don't bounce back that quickly. Um, and I was heartbroken. And mm. uh, I would, uh, Simon and Garfunkel's son, a song, Bridge Over Troubled Water, mm. was lot, and that got me through it. Um, but I still had to earn a living and give readings. And so... I noticed that every single client, Dan, every single client that I read um, at the beginning of that year, I had the same forecast. And it was mm. very, the message was, get through June and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And after a while, I started laughing because I thought, <laughs> oh, listen, I know what this client's problem is. And they were all really, really, really upset. You know, I should have happy little idiot. I, I did not recognize what was going on until a certain point. And at one point I even said to one of my clients who called me on the phone for a reading, I said, listen, save your money. I can tell you what your forecast is. Get through, <laughs> get through June and you'll be fine. And all of a sudden it hit me. My guides, my spirit guides, my angels, call them whatever you want. God, the hand of God was saying to me, because of the law of attraction, through my clients, get through June 
and you will be fine. And with that, the readings changed. Now, what do you call it? I call God. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, it, it's it, it is really interesting in my own practice because I do find this happening quite often, where um, you know, client, my natal chart after looking back there are huge connections. Like take, for example, I have one client and I met her out at a social event and she actually uh, was a psychiatrist. So we were talking about psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and she and her boyfriend ended up coming and I realized my ascendant is Scorpio rising 18 degrees and in her chart, she had Uranus conjunct that exact point, which is so powerful because Uranus is exalted in Scorpio. And it was in her fourth house, which I find very interesting because it's family, but it's also in different traditions, hidden treasure and things that are underneath the earth, which is such a theme here in New Orleans because it's, you know, we live underneath the earth. So it was kind of this, you know, at the time I was really you know, I guess in a way shifting my thinking a little bit towards kind of how you, well, that's actually, we'll, we'll get into the next question, but that astrology is this divinatory practice, that it is people come at a pressing moment, some spirit moves them in some way. And then also, you know, we very gratefully can receive, with grace, receive that message, you know, in a kinship with the client. So I I started to realize this with certain charts and I started to, started to realize that it wasn't even me consciously that was doing this, but it was some sort of spirit that was moving the whole process. So I think in a different way, perhaps, you know, what, what you're saying. But, that you know, that actually gets me, it's a very, very simple question, but a very profound one. We, we've been sort of talking about it, but what is astrology? <laughs> It is the relationship between God and man. Mm. Uh, it is just as simple as that. Mm. Uh, the chart is not, the chart is your movie for this incarnation. Mm -hmm. It's your story. And it's the first step that I use in helping people release their story. Um, but it is, uh, well, i got to tell you another story that <laughs> exemplifies this. And when you and I talked, I may have mentioned this. Uh, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. That's okay. Um, I wanted to, I knew I was going to legalize astrology, and I wanted to go to leaders of different religions and make sure it wasn't, you know, the work of, as many people thought, the, the dark side. <laughs> and so I went to see... Um, a rabbi, an orthodox rabbi, and I asked him about astrology and Judaism, just as I asked a priest about astrology and Episcopalianism, uh, astrology and Catholicism. Uh, uh, I, I researched it, mm. and he said he went over uh, to his bookshelf and pulled out this enormous book, and I thought. It was like uh, Mickey Mouse in, in that cartoon, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh, <laughs> he pulled out the book, blew the dust off of it, come on, uh, and opened it up to a page. And he said, this is in, I, I don't remember if he said Hebrew or Aramaic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he started translating what was written on that page, which just happened to be the definition, long definition, of the planet Saturn, which was mm-hmm. the outermost planet back when Jesus was born, when the three wise men who were astrologers right, right. followed, you know, the, the, the tri- triple conjunction of the star mm-hmm. Bethlehem. And exactly as you and I learned it, literally. And he said, um, this is the Kabbalah. Right. Astrology is in the Kabbalah. It is the foundation of Judaism, which is the first monotheistic religion, which is the foundation of Christianity and Catholicism, etc. And it blew me away. And then he said, will you do my horoscope? Oh. And I, I said, I, I'm, I'd be honored. Well, unfortunately, he was born in Germany during World War II. And all the records were destroyed, so we didn't have a birth time for mm. him, uh, mm. which is a shame. But that was when I knew that astrology is the esoteric tradition of all Western religions. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to have enough time for all this. But you know, it is. I, I want to add a rejoinder to that. Uh, the other wonderful astrologer like yourself who's been doing so much work and will continue to do great work is Robert Hand. And he's done a lot of research into the ancient texts and also ancient synagogues themselves that have the constellations uh, in the synagogues. Right. So th- yeah. So that it's it's all there. You know, it's interesting. I actually I per- actually spoke to an Orthodox rabbi the other day, and it, it was very interesting because I was raised Jewish, and essentially left the synagogue, and you know now speaking to this Orthodox rabbi coming you know full circle in a way back through mm-hmm. astrology that there can be a meeting of minds. Um, about, you know, where the Kabbalah comes from or just even the philosophical precepts of Judaism. So it is interesting. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's, this is a strange metaphor, but I've been reading through, uh, probably not as well known, but it's a book called Surfacing by Margaret Atwood. It was one of her earlier books, one of her first novels. And she talks about, you know, the different parts of the body or, you know, the head being separate from the body and, and things, you know, we can see, we want to organize and think so logically about things that we lose the whole or the whole picture of what is the composite, perhaps of spirit or the body. So I liken maybe what we're saying to that insofar as we'd like to think that all these things are separate, but there is a oneness of energy that we can get back to. I agree with you 100%. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. There's, uh, and I think everything, uh, I mean, there is a ritual. There are rituals in every religion that I think encompass uh, the spirit. I mean, they're, they're based on spirituality. Um, I'm thinking of something as simple as um, uh uh, your bar mitzvah when you read the haftorah mm, mm-hmm. i mean uh, anyhow uh, that i digress yes i 
too. Yeah. Okay. So this is interesting talking about some of the, I guess it was the triple conjunction, but we do have this later this year coming up Saturn and Jupiter, you know, again, for people who are maybe just getting into astrology will be visually conjunct in the sky right next to each other in the sign of Aquarius, which you were talking about is the sign of astrology. It's certainly modern astrology. And, you know, Aquarius is known. Well, I get, you know, in some sense, an Aquarian visionary individualistic rebel vibe from you too but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm also you know I'm, I'm curious I have I have a lot of curiosity in my chart too I have my moon and north node in the eighth house in Gemini but I, I get also you're you're a curious investigator too I'd love to know what's in your chart if you'd even share a little bit about that maybe towards the end but what do you think we, we have this huge astrological and astronomical phenomenon coming up Saturn and Jupiter coming into this sign of Aquarius which I was checking I think the last time that it happened in such a dramatic air airy way was the 15th century which is interesting because you were getting into you know Gutenberg inventing the printing press and you know the uh, the roots of the Renaissance and you know Shakespeare so it was a, it was a really big step for humanity. I was wondering if you could, what your thoughts are on this coming Saturn-Jupiter conjunction in the very visionary futuristic sign of Aquarius. Oh, well, <clears throat> Saturn and Jupiter. Saturn is man's law. Jupiter is God's law. Um, Jupiter expands, Saturn contracts. Um, and, and a lot of people out there are saying, yeah, there's going to be a problem because they're so opposite. Uh, <laughs> What I think is um, there's go Jupiter is a lot of it's the greater benefic, as you know, but it doesn't necessarily bring uh, lollipops and roses. It spans whatever it touches. So Jupiter is going to bring more of God's law. I'm sitting here looking at the ephemeris for 2021, um, uh, January 2021. And. Uh, Saturn then will build the expansiveness, the truth. Jupiter is the planet of truth. And so Saturn says, now let's not get too carried away with that Uranian quality. <laughs> let's just kind of chill and we'll expand it. And then Saturn, you come in and, and, and bring in the more conservative Aquarian tone. Mm, mm. And I feel like, and see, that's me looking at it from the positive. Mm. Uh, my best friend says uh, he's a realist. And I mm. said, well, I, I got the planets, but I choose to use them on the highest and best level. So Jupiter is going to expand it. Now, uh, of course, la this past year we had the Saturn-Pluto uh, oh, yes. node conjunction right. tree. Um, that people were going, chicken little, chicken little, the sky right. is falling. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. We chose to incarnate at this time for a reason. Mm. Every one of us is a spark of light. We are infinite immortal spirit housed in flesh. We are truth and beauty uh, we are all of the finest qualities of God. And when we leave the body, that life force 
leaves and joins the whole. Uh, so we are goodness itself. We are truth. We are everything. It's our programming that holds us back. And so that's where I am with it. So when you talk about Saturn and Jupiter, they're going to blend. Or depending on, as I'm, I know you know because you're an astrologer, of course, um, depending on the aspects they make in the mm. chart. What sure. about, let's see, you said that you have an 18-degree Scorpio ascendant. By the way, I think, I'm, I'm going to digress here. I think <laughs> Scorpio is the most powerful, transformational, transmutational, magical sign in the entire zodiac. I think it's gotten a really bad rap from a lot of people who don't understand it. You have you are magnificent. That Scorpio ascendant gives you the power to transform and of course it's in 18 degrees you know in the mm -hmm. Via Busta the right I you know I was, oh yeah the, the, the oh, burn and people and pe oh Maxine this is so good yeah the, and people should know the Via Combusta is the burned path so it was it was considered um before we had the scales the claws were what was really considered kind of behind the scales of Libra constellationally so um so yeah oh well listen it was and i and i know that many of our fellow astrologers and i've read their books no names <laughs> no names no names um still write negative astrology um and i when i teach astrology to my students on my webinars um i have one girl who and you're close to it of course uh, who has her ascendant in 19 degrees of astrology. And I said, I want to alert you <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, to something that has been handed down through the centuries uh, that is not necessarily true at all. Right. Uh, but it was written by the ancients who had who didn't have a whole hell of a lot to live for. OK, and it's 19 degrees of Scorpio. Uh, the cursed degree right. of, of the cursed sign. I'm just going to say that that is simply hogwash. You know, it's uh, I, right. And it's interesting because I've looked into this um, and there's a wonder, one of my favorites, Anthony Lewis, the uh, horror, he wrote a lot of books, one famously horror astrology, plain and simple. But he actually looks into that degree, the serpentist, the accursed degree. And people who are really into astrology should – two points. He was like, well, I've done a lot of charts and things seem – it can actually work out fine. Like it's not – he was yeah. like – he's like, he like this – I'm like looking at this and it's like, uh, I don't know. Because you know, he actually really looked, looked into a ton of charts – and then the other thing about the Via Combusta, I was reading, um, Mark Edmund Jones says, okay, the Via Combusta can be another very, you know, uh, famous astrologer can be, the Via Combusta can be very chaotic, but out of that chaos can come order and harmony. So, you know, you have to, and then one last thing, you know, I, I think of it like fairy tales, like in the old days, it was like, okay, Little Red Riding Hood, it was like a warning, be careful, but it didn't mean fatalistically it was going to happen, but it was more like in the old days, yeah, there there was much, there you could be, get go outside and get eaten by a bear, 
So it was sort of like a, it was sort of like a warning, you know, you, you sort of feel, you know, a little bit of the burn of the flame. So then you, you, one can be prepared. <laughs> so it's not, but I think because this is my opinion, because we live in such a scientific and, and I guess religious age still, and there's this idea of exactitude with everything, you know, that we want it to be that way. The mind wants it that way, that we expect that when we look at a chart, oh, well, it's going to be this way because this is this. And then it gets into, ironically, a form of fatalism. Well, so. you know, I've got I've, <clears throat> I've to tell you how I, uh, I want to just say something about the symbol for Scorpio. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I have nothing in Scorpio in my chart. I have read charts of the most magnificent Scorpios. Billy Graham was a Scorpio mm. sample. Oh, wow. Um, it's either and it's it's written as a scorpion who rather than forego the pleasure of stinging mm. will sadomasochistically sting itself to death and i thought are you kidding me <laughs> you know actually but wait no, there's more oh, sorry sorry there's go ahead more. sorry um then i heard i read now you know i've been doing astrology for like five, over five decades mm. um it's the eagle, which I thought, well, now that's good because you soar over whatever. And then the dove. But I live in Atlanta. Atlanta is the Phoenix City. <clears throat> Atlanta came through the Civil War. We are always tearing down buildings and rebuilding them. Hello, that's Scorpio. Tear it right. down. And, and so I see Scorpio symbol. As the phoenix, that mythical bird of lore that died and rose up on its own ashes, reincarnated, reinvented, transformed and transmuted. Please, that is Scorpio to me. Mm. I'm not trying to, you know, blow your ego out of all proportion. (laughs) I, I, I seriously, uh, seriously and lovingly uh, feel that way, passionately about it. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, even though mm. I'm cold. Um, <laughs> that, that's exactly what Scorpio is. And bravo, bravo. <laughs> Uh, now, every sign can have its downside. And if you're sure. with a negative astrologer, they're going to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's wrong with you my mm. clients always say to me okay now you've told me the good stuff what's the bad stuff mm-hmm. and I say there are, it depends on how you look at it because I've give, I give them the way out mm. if I know their money's going to be tight I'm going to tell them listen you know I'm not suggesting you go on food stamps but I am suggesting you not go buy $30 dinners uh, with a couple of drinks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm not suggesting that you tighten the belt and go to McDonald's all the time, but just start putting your your dollars away, your coins away mm-hmm. for about whatever the length of time, and you will do fine. In other words, give them a practical solution. Don't scare them out of their mind. Don't blow smoke. Say, and I tell my clients, your chart is terrific. Let me tell you what I love about your chart. Well, Dan, how often has somebody said to us, you are terrific. Let me tell you what's so wonderful about you. 
it, it makes your day. Sure. <laughs> and so I I like to do that for people. Mm. Mm. So. Yeah. yeah, two points to that. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Did you ever read, I mean, you probably, but um, some of the things you're saying are so similar to what Isabel Hickey was saying in her. Oh, oh. Yeah. I love <laughs> I love Izzy. Izzy and I were friends. Yes, oh I, my God, that's wonderful to hear. Because I, my, when, my, oh, go when, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. When her book came out, Astrology: A Cosmic Science, it was at the uh, AFA American Federation of Astrologers AFA convention in Miami Beach in nineteen. It was either sixty-eight or nineteen seventy. And I walked into the book room. It was a small book room then. And Mark Edmund Jones was there and, mm. you know, uh, and all these very famous astrologers. Uh, my my favorite astrologer is uh, uh, Catherine de Jersey, by the way. Mm. Um, and I said something very smart, Alecky. I I, <laughs> I, I surprised. Um, I said, <laughs> look at all these astrologers hawking their wares. And I picked up a copy of Izzy's book and I just skimmed through it. And I turned to her and I said, will you please autograph this for me? I thought that was the, it was the greatest book I had seen because I never understood all the others. They were esoteric. And Mark Edmund Jones, Mark, bless his heart, um, uh, and, and even with Sabian symbols, his his masterwork, um, he said he admitted that he uh, he obfuscated. Um, he made it particularly hard to understand because he wanted to weed out the insincere student from the sincere student. Mm. And I thought, well, honey, you did. <laughs> But, you know, it. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead with Izzy. You know, it's really interesting because you know I, she passed away right around when I was born in the early '80s. But I had I was visiting. Uh, I lived in Boston for four years, and I was in. I happened to be in Cambridge. This was, I don't know. I guess maybe five years ago or something. Four or five years ago, and there was a metaphysical bookstore, and I started to talk to the gentleman who ran the store and it was just a wonderful store because there were all these astrology books and you know you don't know it's not always easy to find a bookstore like that and he said oh yeah you know I took a class with Isabel Hickey in the 60s and she was kind of controversial at the time and I was telling I believe her chart she was a Scorpio rising and she was a Leo so it kind of made sense like she could be sort of grand and you know dramatic and big-hearted but still as you say very like a very transformation transformational Scorpio who was very intense so it, it kind of made me laugh when I had that little bit of connection and now it's wonderful to hear your story because it's, it's it's great for me to connect back to the wonderful line of y'all you know the great astrologers so oh she was she really was um, a trailblazer her mm -hmm. book her book was the, I, I, I mean, I can't praise her enough. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a turning point for astrologers because uh, I would go to these co uh, conferences and listen to older people talk about <laughs> astrology. Um, of course, I'm older than they are now, uh, <laughs> than they were. Uh, and um, 
I, I had I thought, how am I going to learn all this stuff? And it was because of Izzy that I wrote. Uh, she influenced me so strongly to mm. do what I do best, which is mm-hmm. simplify astrology. When I wrote my book, now that I've cast it, what do I do with it? It's totally simplified. The non-astrologer can pick it up and read it and mm-hmm. learn on his or her own how to interpret a chart. She was the one who was the light that I was looking for and that so many other astrologers were looking for because that book sold. Mm. And you know what? I'll tell you, when people ask me which book, I send them straight to that book. I I still think after all these years it holds up. Um, I, I agree with you. I do, too. Yeah. We have a lot in common, don't we? <laughs> I guess, you know, I should, we should um, have to compare charts. Uh, we're, we're running low on time, but we, you know what? We could do hours and hours more. We'll have to do more. Uh, but, but do you have any, anything coming up? You know, as I said, the, you know, the website, your website is Maxine Taylor, and your YouTube, you said, was Maxine Taylor Astrology, Correct astrologer oh excuse me maxine taylor astrologer okay yeah and um actually i like your title better um (laughs) i've got it's all free it's all free i've got everything up there free um uh, i do webinars Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so you know i miss the days when we would be in person and sit around and Mm -hmm. talk about ask questions of the teacher um and so when i started doing webinars which was a couple of months ago i thought okay i need to buy a program of of several hundred dollars and do this that and i thought no i'll just do it on zoom because that's what i use Mm -hmm. and they said now you you have to have your students mute their mics uh because you'll never get through your subject matter and blah 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 and i thought Okay, and so um, I I announced it, one-hour webinars, uh, starting at ground zero for the person who knows nothing. And, um, you know, I I flubbed the technique, the technology on the first one. I had to redo it. Um, Anyhow, fast forward. They are unmic, their mics are open. We start off every session with, okay, Who has questions? And I go over what I said the week before. Um, They can ask questions. It's now two hours, and we could go to two and a half. Mm. And I love it. Mm. I love it. It's the closest thing, Dan, to a classroom Mm. where people became friends. Mm. Not little itsy-bitsy profiles, on a screen Mm. uh, with 60 people on a webinar, some blocked out so they just have the profile, you know, the gray background and the white figure that, you know, with faceless figure. Um, That, to me, is how we did it uh, years ago, from the master to the student. And by the way, I, I tell all my students every, probably every week, no two astrologers agree on anything. (laughs) <laughs> and so do your research <laughs> right right um so that's that, that's for for um people who are interested in 
studying astrology. Uh, we're, I'm finishing up my forecasting webinars, and I'll start, although, you know, we've got some, Mercury's going to be retrograde three times this year, and mm -hmm. we've got the double, the double, t the tag team with Venus, please. Mm. Um, and then Mars goes retrograde, mm, and, like, and everything mm. screeches to a halt, and then Mercury goes direct on the day of the presidential election. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, so I'm not sure. There's got to be a small window of opportunity where I can begin my next round of webinars. Uh, <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, All right. Well, that this is wonderful. I love you, Maxine. This has been really great. <laughs> I, really I love you, too. I love you, too. You are yeah. a, a wonderful host. <laughs> and um, thank you for making this available to me and other astrologers uh, to introduce us so that people know. Well, I was going to say we're not strange, weird people, but that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. my, my karmic group has Saturn-Uranus conjunct, uh, which means we fit into any and all age groups. Mm, mm. So... Thank, okay. thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, thank you. This is Dan Beck signing off from the Star Love Podcast. And remember, if you love the stars, they'll love you back. <laughs> On the next episode of the Star Love Podcast, we'll be featuring astrologer Samuel Reynolds. We discuss Samuel's childhood, where he served as a preacher, to his transition into a more secular worldview, to his becoming an astrologer. Thank you for listening, and please rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a future podcast, email james at intermakeup.net.